0: to say it's important to continue to reach out to the community. You are the best marketing possible. I mean, you really are. I mean, we can put a lot on social media, and we're going to do that. And we can put stuff on our website, and we're going to do that. And we may improve our visibility around the church and in the community. We're going to do that. But what is critical is what you do. And so I want to encourage you to talk us up talk up what God is doing here at Martha Bowman because I believe it's worth sharing and it's best shared through you so let me encourage you to do that now at the end of the service uh, right after the the final song we're gonna have a special announcement and also today I wanted to say um, if anybody would like to pray afterward Delia and I are gonna be here there may be some others um, the music will close out, and if anybody wants to, to come to the altar, we'll be glad to pray because we're a people of prayer. Well, we, uh, we are starting a new series, and Griff alluded to it. You asked for it. And, and we're raising questions. And one of the best places to start with questions is with kids. Finding out what children are asking. Listen to some of these. Some questions that kids ask. And you know what? It'd help if I put my mic on. There we go. Um, Why did God make mosquitoes? All they do is bite you. That is a great question. Uh, Did Jesus practice walking on water first? I mean, how did he do it? I want to try that. That was a question. Uh, If God sees everything, does he see me in the bathroom? Very transparent question. If Jesus didn't have to have a sister, why do I have to have one? I mean, kids are able to bring their questions. And you know, it says to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said, you must be like a child. And kids are honest. I mean, think about some of the tougher questions. Uh, What is cancer? Why does mommy and daddy, why do they have to live apart? Why do they make fun of me? I mean, all good questions. And as children of God, we can bring our questions. And so in this series, we encourage you to be here all month long. We're going to ask some, some very good questions and some very hard questions. And while I want to say to you, none of our pastoral staff is an authority on the answers to these questions, we do believe that the Scripture is authoritative, and we can go to Scripture to help be informed about some of these answers to our toughest questions and so today <clears throat> we hit a heavy one and that is why do bad things happen maybe you've heard a phrase like this why do bad things happen to good people and so i want us to raise this question with each other but i first want to raise it in prayer let's pray together god we we thank you that we can come to you with anything that is on our heart because you know our heart you know us full well and so we come with a vulnerability with an honesty with an openness to be right with you and to be as right as we can about some of the tougher questions and while not all the questions will be answered we know in this lifetime Lord we want to take a stab at it we want to take a good look at it, and we want to be wise because of these questions. And so I ask for insight for all of us. I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to give us discernment and wisdom as we share in this time together. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but some people in my life, I have observed their lives, and I've thought... Man, can anything else happen to them? I mean, there's this one sister in Christ that I know, and she worships at a church where Billy and I served, and and she had a cancer diagnosis. She was dealing with a rebellious daughter, and she was laid off from work all in the same year. And it was one of those moments where I thought, what more could happen to her i mean is she being singled out i mean maybe that's the kind of question that you've brought today maybe in your hurt and a sense of suffering you have felt like this person and i need to share with you you're not alone i had a seminary professor who said it well he said you know men and women as you preach if you preach as though 95 percent of your folks are hurting You'll hit it every time. You're not alone. I think he understood what Jesus was trying to say when he said to his disciples, I have told you these things that in this world there will be suffering. In this world there will be trouble. And so maybe today you feel as though you've been singled out you feel as though you've been a recipient of pain and suffering and hurt, and you're wondering where God is in all this and why it's even happening. And so we come with that kind of question today, and, you know, I think there's a lot of responses. And if we're honest, there's a sense of helplessness, both if we're hurting or if we're hurting for someone else. If we're hurting for someone else sometimes we try to give good answers but it gets pretty complicated and sometimes we don't always help with some of our answers I think about where someone deals with maybe some suffering some hurt in their lives maybe something's gone wrong And we quote scripture like, well, that's because of the sins of previous generations. Well, you know, there's some truth in a lot of statements. And previous generations can create consequences, but it may not be tied to an individual. And and so we have to be careful when we designate someone else's sin as consequence in the life of someone else and so be careful with that or maybe in the a person's life there was one woman in a church where I served she was struggling with migraines and another woman who I count is very spiritual and she was trying to be compassionate but she said Sharon is there some unconfessed sin in your life there's really no connection there it doesn't have to do with the person's piety or spirituality in many cases it just happens but there's hurt and pain and trouble and suffering it may not have to do with anyone else although it could it may not it may not have to do with them another one is when there is grief and maybe a sudden loss in our helplessness and not knowing what to say well one fellow i knew he is older and he lost a daughter to a pulmonary embolism and he said a lot of people were helpful and a lot of people were comforting but some really didn't help me theologically some didn't really help me in my grief i mean one person said well i guess god wanted a few more angels he said i feel like heaven has a pretty strong census there's enough angels i'm not sure that god snatched my daughter up for that reason or you know the lord the lord made this happen well be careful Because we know that for whatever reason, God chooses to intervene or not intervene, but I'm not convinced that God makes tragedy happen. I'm not convinced that a good God would inflict devastating hurt on an innocent person well, in fact, Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust, that innocent or not innocent, there are afflictions, there is pain, there is suffering. And so I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it's important for us to be careful how we couch our answers for the problem of suffering when bad things happen now there are some things that we can affirm and I think there are some things that are understood in the face of a lot of questions and one of those is we live in a natural world where there are natural laws and where things happen because of chemistry or physics or Weather weather patterns or seismic shifts in the earth. And so there are natural causes that are a part of God's creation, but God didn't make them happen. I mean, think about this a minute and i want to show compassion for you nascar fans but when dale earnhardt senior perished on the track there were some people i remember interviewing fans saying why would god allow this to happen well when you take a vehicle that goes 200 miles in a velocity in a circle and slams into a cement wall it's going to have there are some things that are part of physics it's part of a natural law now that's not that's not to lack compassion but those are realities we live in an imperfect world don't we i mean we know that there are some things that are wrong in this world. We call it a fallen world. If you want to speak in theological terms. A father of a seven-year-old daughter, Jessica. Well, she was a deep thinker, and she was saying, "Daddy, I'm homesick, right? Because Adam and Eve ate from the fruit. Isn't that right?" He said, "Yeah, I guess you could say that's right." And before he could answer fully, she said, of course, if they didn't eat it, we'd be sitting here naked. There is, for us in our worldview, a fallenness to this world. There is a paradise lost, and we contend with that. And Jesus understood that when he said, in this world." there will be trouble it's part of our story it's part of how we have to live out our lives and then there is evil in this world there is a dark side and unfortunately human behavior comes into play and why bad things can happen and so there's there's a lot of things that contribute to our worldview in terms of the nature of God. And I want to affirm today, as Ashley prayed, the Lord is a good, good God. And that's why we have to be careful not to lay certain things at His feet. Because when we grieve, He's the first one that sheds a tear. When we hurt, the wonderful thing for us to know is that we can feel that he enters into our suffering. And so I want to look at some redemptive things about some of the why, some of the why and why bad things happen, but I want to talk about the who in the redemptive side of that equation and so you have heard the story of joseph in the old testament he had the code of many colors he was one of many brothers now joseph didn't always help himself in that he was a little arrogant and wasn't afraid to show that to his brothers in fact there was a jealousy that developed they envied his Status and stature with their father. And so, as you may remember, they left him for dead. He was sold into slavery. And through God's hand and through the working of God in this story, he is placed in leadership with Potiphar. But then, and I bet at times he felt singled out, He was accused of rape with Potiphar's wife and placed in prison, not knowing what the future held. And so, in that, the story unfolds that he's able to interpret dreams, and Pharaoh, who is the new leader, needs his help and finds that he is right, in that he is one to be able to interpret dreams and he is able to say you will have seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine and in all of that interpretation he is placed again in a high place of authority with Pharaoh and in Egypt and the story unfolds that his brothers and family and father are in a distant land and they have to come for grain because of the famine and he is the governor over Egypt and this is where we pick up he begins to come to terms with the issue of forgiveness in his life and in this he is confronted with seeing how God is at work when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead okay he's deceased and they're wondering What is Joseph, who is in authority, going to do now? What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Can you feel that? It's like a day of judgment for them. So they sent word to Joseph. Your father left these instructions before he died. I love this. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves before him. We are your slaves they said but joseph said to them don't be afraid am i in the place of god you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives i.e. in egypt classic, climactic line. What you meant for evil, God has used for good. Men and women, I need to share with you today that I don't have all the answers to why bad things happen in this life. I've got a few hints that can help from the Scripture explain a few things. But some of the answers will only come when we get to heaven. The parable of the wheat and the weeds. You may remember that parable that Jesus taught. He said once there was a farmer who sowed much wheat. And while the workers were tending to the farm. Weeds began to grow in the midst of the wheat. And they said, do you see the weeds? You're, you're a good farmer. Don't you see the weeds in the midst of the wheat? Do you want us to remove the weeds? And he said, no, don't do that, because if you do that, it will ruin and may entangle the weed, and you'll pull the weed up as well. We'll wait until the full harvest, and then at that time, we'll sort it out. And we'll tie up the weeds in a bundle, and they will be burned. There's some things that we can take from that: that there is an evil one that is in our midst that has sown brokenness in the world. And brokenness is a part of life and God is a good guide he's not ambivalent but he's aware and he has a redemptive plan to use even that which is evil that which Joseph said you did as evil in my life God has used it for good here's the wonderful truth that you can take with you today that if something bad has happened to you, I don't believe God has caused it, but I believe God can use it. He doesn't waste anything. You see, we come with a lot of why questions, and today we have a why question, but really the best question is who? Who will enter into my suffering?" as the women at the tomb came and they asked the question, who will roll away the stone? There's hope that God can use anything and waste nothing. There's a guy in a church that I served and he was telling me about how he had grown spiritually and God had really transformed his life. And he was in a conversation with his wayward son. His wayward son had been so rebellious, had had a drug problem, had been imprisoned. And he was coming to terms with all that he had kind of inflicted on his dad in terms of suffering. And he said, Daddy, I know I have caused you a lot of pain. I know I've caused you a lot of hurt. And he said, Son, you have and it has been painful I will not lie to you your mom and I have suffered much but I have to say because of your story and because of that pain I am closer to Jesus than I've ever been And while I don't want to give you credit in the wrong way I do want to say God used all of that so know that God is a redemptive God and he is redeeming all things unto his glory and for our good and then finally I know this is hard to hear but we could still be grateful We can still be grateful that we have a God who is not ambivalent, but he does care. That we have a God who has given us hope, and hope has a name in Jesus Christ. And Christ is at work in us. And so we can be grateful. Henry Nouwen, who is a deceased Episcopal priest, worked with people who have special needs. And there was a team couple that had worked with him at this particular facility and camp. And as they were leaving, they made a comment. They said, well, I guess we'll just give thanks for all the good memories and and try to forget the bad. To try to hold on to the good memories and kind of discard the bad. And he challenged them. He said, no, true followers of Jesus can be grateful for all of it because God uses all of it, even when bad things happen, even when we don't have the answers to why they happen. God is redeeming all things, and we can give thanks. pray together Lord I know that there are some among us that are hurting deeply and they feel as though maybe they've been singled out God I just pray that you would help us not always to focus on the why but that you would help us with the who Thank you for answering that question. Thanks for making that clear that you entered into this world as one of us. And you know our pain, you know our suffering, and you overcame it all. And so have we in the hope of Easter and the hope of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.